The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South, tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's happening, Tiger football fans? We are back after a long pause uh, for another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast, the season preview edition. Uh, it's game week again, finally, and uh, it's a little more normal than it was last year. Um you know, COVID's still around. It's still a challenge. It's still uh, inhibiting things in some ways. But it also, uh, we're, you know, there's no attendance limitations at the Liberty Bowl. Um, there's no concern necessarily that the season's even going to happen. So it's, uh, it's, it's a brighter time, a new season for Memphis football. Ryan Silverfield's second season. Uh, a lot of things to discuss um here as we get ready for the tigers game against Nichols state on saturday or is it Nichols? i'm not sure it sounds like it sounds Either. like Nichols is trying to rebrand itself as Nichols, uh but they still the university's name is nickel state um so i'm gonna go with nickel state but uh, i'm joined i'm mark giannato the commercial appeal sports columnist i'm joined as always by evan barnes our tiger football beat writer Evan, uh, you, another season, Ryan Silverfield's second season. I think it's your fourth season. Is that right? Believe it or not, this is year four, man. This is crazy. Year four. So I, I guess we'll start today's with our podcast with we'll talk quarterbacks today. We're going to talk the new depth chart that came out this week. And we'll talk big picture, what we expect from this team this season. Um but I, I guess, Evan, uh, j- before we get into all of that, um, what are you most excited about this football season? Like, what, 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 how does it feel? Does it feel different than last year to you? It, it does feel different. I mean, there is a different level of maybe anticipation because last year we were all worried about, like, what if an outbreak happens? What if a game is postponed? What if, you know, What's the crowd going to look like with, you know, a few stands? So I think there's more anticipation for me just to see kind of how the first game goes, but also just kind of seeing how a normal season feels again, like get going on the road again, seeing how Memphis, you know, kind Hail of, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I, I miss seeing people. I tell you at the spring game, I was really happy to see that. So like we, we're going to see that first game is going to be like, a sense of normalcy. I even missed the tiger walk. Like, honestly, that tiger walk, you know, that we had the last, you know, end of the 2019 season, those were great. So I missed that. So all, all of that I'm looking forward to. What about you? Yeah, I think it's, for me, it's, I'm excited to walk around the parking lot uh, and see both people who, who braved it out last year in those limited crowds who stuck it out, even though it wasn't normal and all the people who are coming back for the first time, since that 2019 season, um, I think I'm excited to just see every, you know, the, the great thing about University of Memphis events, you know, and big sporting events in general is that it's, you know, they, they, it brings the community together and in ways that other things just can't, um, you know, and, and it bridges political views and race and ethnicity and all that stuff. And um, during the pandemic, we lost that, you know, and like, that's what you, you know, more than the, 
the wins and losses. I missed just gathering with people and, you know, seeing people out and about. And, you know, we've gotten that back here over the last six months or so. Um, you know, you know, even the Grizzlies playoffs, you, you had a couple games where a lot of people were out, um, at the Grizzlies games, but, you know, here with Tiger football, it'll be, you know, it'll be, it'll feel, uh, it'll, it'll feel like a rebirth in a lot of ways. Um, and then when you look, I like that word. And when, and when you look out on the field, it might feel that way too, because there's going to be a lot of new faces out there. Um, what I'm struck by when I look at this Memphis football team is how much turnover there's been, especially on offense over the last year or two. Um, you know, this new depth chart that came out, I looked at it on offense of the 26 guys who are listed on the two deep on offense for this first game, 15 were not on the two deep for the opening game last year. So 15 of the 26 are not even, weren't even not starters. We're not even on the two deep last year. So, um, a lot of new starts at quarterback we knew that Memphis was going to need a new quarterback with Brady White graduated, Evan. And we've had a quarterback competition since spring practice began. And uh, here we are on September. We're recording this on September 1st, a couple days out from the uh, season opener. And officially, it is still ongoing. We do not have a starting. We do not know who the starting quarterback is going to be for Memphis against Nickel State Saturday. On the depth chart, it is listed as Grant Gannell, the the Arizona transfer with three years of eligibility, or true freshman Seth Hennigan. Um, and then we've also heard Keelan Brown's name thrown about as another guy who um, is in the mix, I guess we should say. But it, it does seem like, at least in terms of who will start Saturday, it is Grant Gannell or Seth Hennigan. Um Evan, let's start with your thoughts on the decision by Ryan Silverfield to not name a starter uh, going into this game and the fact that it's Gannell or Hennigan. What, what's your read on the situation right now? Well, I think it's good that they're facing Nichols because if this decision was being made ahead of, say, another group of five team or a power five team, I think there would be a little bit more worry about it because, you know, we, we – we know that Ryan Silverfield said that the decision could go right until kickoff, but of course, in your mind, you're thinking, no, he's going to name a starter before then. But the fact that here we are, September 1st, they have not named a starting quarterback, um, there's a little bit of concern. I mean, I, I think my question is, how much did Grant Gunnell's injury from two weeks ago kind of affect the race? Because apparently now, uh, Ryan Silverfield did say Grant Gunnell's a full go, but how much did that kind of set everything back or shuffle things up? And how much did that really benefit Seth Hennigan being able to kind of show what he can do? Obviously, both these guys came. They enrolled early in January. Um, they both are from Texas, which is interesting, to say the least. Um, but when when Kevin Johns described them, the offensive coordinator, he basically described them very similarly. They both have big arms. They have the intangibles. They can do RPO stuff. Um, they think the game very, very well. I mean, it almost feels like these two are very similar but still, the question is, if you're deciding between someone who has game experience or a true freshman who literally won a high school state championship in January before he enrolled, uh, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how this battle plays out in front of us on Saturday. 
Yeah, no, I, I read it. I think there's two things that could be at play here um, and uh, two likely scenarios. Um, and I'll tell you which one I think is at play, but I'll lay the two scenarios I think are at play. One, I think Grant Gannell's injury complicated things. Uh, during. I, I think ultimately the plan was for Grant Gannell to be the starter. Um, he was a starter at Arizona um, when he wasn't injured. He didn't come here to be the back to lose out, lose out on to a starting job to a freshman. Um, I think the plan going into this was, all right, just like we brought in Riley Ferguson and he became the starter, just like we brought in Brady White and he became the starter. We're now bringing in Gannell and he's going to become the starter. Um, and then I think the injury made it so that he couldn't officially win the job. And then you add on the fact that it, it sounds like Seth Hennigan played better than they anticipated in his first offseason. Um, really surprised some people, turned some heads. But so in this scenario, though, I, I would say. I would say in one scenario, it would be to me, it's just the injury that's causing this to go into the first game. The other scenario could be that Seth Hennigan didn't just turn some heads. He was unbelievable this offseason. And the reason there's an or there is because ultimately when you're dealing with a true freshman, you don't know you know, until the until the bullets are flying, you know, you don't know how they're going to react in a college game. So there's some reticence on immediately naming him the starter. Let's see what he does against Nichols State if he's been that great. I tend to think it's the former. It's the it's the injury related thing. I think I think this injury to Grant Gannell, um, which Ryan Silverfield has not disclosed, um, but it sounds like it's neither a major injury nor something to just scoff at, is what I would say um, from what I've heard. Um, I think that complicated things. And the reason why he has the luxury of this game against Nichols where you know, he he can get away with playing multiple quarterbacks and not picking one, probably. And he wants to he wants Gannell to go out and show he's healthy and can and can do the job. Um, so I, I think this is to me, my gut reading on this is that this is mostly injury related, even though Seth Hennigan probably had a good camp. Um, I, I think Gannell is the guy they want to go with. Um but the injury during training camp complicated things. Yeah, I think that's a good read on this because it feels like to me, if if you wanted to start a true freshman, I, I think you would be, this would be the game to do it. But I also think that clearly you want you want to see how well Gunnell is before you just say, all right, we're going to turn this over to somebody who was in high school seven months ago, right? Like I, I think that they clearly wanted, like you said, they wanted Gunnell to get this job. And Gunnell was out there taking first team reps at practice that we saw before he got hurt. And so now, you know, we're going to see kind of how he looks because again, Phil said to us, he's a full go. He should be out there. Um, but we're going to see, because clearly if there was confidence that Gunnell was fully healthy and ready to be that guy, he probably would be the number one, or they kind of want to just, you know, play possum with us and let's say, all right, we're not going to, you know, we're going to play some mind games if you will. But, uh, Again, we'll find out on Saturday. Well, and I think – I don't know how – you know, they haven't committed to when they're going to name the starter. I, I suspect – I suspect we will have an answer coming out of the Arkansas State game. 
the second game of the year. Um, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if we'll know definitively after this Nichols game, but someone's going to emerge in that Arkansas State game. If frankly, if Memphis is going to win it, because Arkansas State's not going to be some pushover. Um, and so I, I suspect someone will emerge by then. And if someone has, then it's then it's really concerning. And then and then you start what what the ceiling of the season is if you haven't figured out who your starting quarterback is by then. Um, but it's 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 interesting because you know ultimately um, you know with Riley Ferguson and and Brady White like the the decision was made a couple weeks out from the season. It didn't drag on like this. Um, and we know it's it's rare that playing multiple quarterbacks is the best move. Um, and so, and with the schedule Memphis has, you know, like I said, a road game at Arkansas State, I'm not saying Memphis is going to be an underdog in that game, but that's a game where, you know, if they play poorly, they can lose. Uh, and then obviously you got Mississippi State coming to the Liberty Bowl on September 16th. That's going to be, you know, a huge, huge game. Uh, that you 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 probably want to know who your quarterback is for that one. Um, so lots of drama. It makes it does make this Nickel State game interesting <laughs> because you are going to be. I mean, like the you are go, everyone is going to be including the coaches, but also the fans. Everyone, the media is going to be dissecting these quarterbacks. Everything they do, how many snaps they play, what types of throws they make, what types of plays are called for them. Like what plays the the coaches are confident running with them, you know what the offense looks like with each of them on the field, how they're gonna split these snaps. Is it gonna be, you know, one guy gets the start and plays the whole first half, and then the other guy plays? Is it gonna be alternating series? There's all sorts of uh, little details that are going to be very very interesting to see um, as we all try to get a read on what the heck the Tigers are going to do under center this season. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like this Nichols game is almost going to be a chemistry experiment where you're basically trying to see kind of which quarterback doesn't blow up or which quarterback doesn't, you know, mess things up even more. So it's almost like this Nichols game is by de facto another scrimmage, which you kind of don't want to use an, an actual game that way because, yes, Memphis should win this game without a problem, but it does feel like this is going to be another, like, trial where, hey – Nothing's up for grabs. We even heard it with the running backs. You know, there's going to be, you know, they're going to be criticized, you know, judged as well. We're probably going to get into the running back rotation. But it does feel like this Nichols game is almost like let's see what happens versus this is exactly what's going to happen the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's uh, it is a fascinating uh, dynamic at play here. So you got Grant Gannell, the Arizona or Seth Hennigan, the freshman from Denton, Texas. And then, I, I, you know, I don't know. It seems like Keelan Brown is number three. Mm -hmm. The run, you know, he's the most athletic of the three options. Yeah. Um, and so maybe I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he plays some in this game as well. Um, so still some decisions to make for Ryan Silverman. Frankly, I think it's the biggest decision he's had to make as head coach. Um you know, the, you know, you pick when you, you pick the wrong quarterback because in this day and age of transfer, the transfer port and whatever, once you pick a starter, chances are a bunch of the other options are going to leave because they're going to look for another opportunity to start. And if you pick the wrong guy, I mean, that can really that can mess up the whole program. It's the most important position in the program. 
Yeah, I mean, we see it what happened with uh, with Georgia, with Jake Fromm and Justin Fields. You saw it with, you know, um, granted, it worked better at Clemson with Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence, but you picked the wrong person, like you said. Someone's going to leave. And, oh, by the way, we know Memphis just recruited and got a commitment from Tevin Carter here in Memphis. So there's going to be some dominoes that fall. And so if you pick the wrong person, it's going to yeah. have ripple effects. It's inevitable that you're going to lose. Like, I mean, look, even before the transfer portal was a thing, when they picked Brady White as the starter, everyone who was behind him, yep. you know, I guess technically David Moore transferred before Brady was named the starter, but he transferred because he knew Brady was going to get named the starter. And then Brady McBride left, Connor Adair left, Brady Davis left, all the guys behind Brady White left eventually. And whatever happens in this this quarterback battle, whoever's behind whoever they pick, chances are most of those guys are going to leave too to find other other uh, options where they can get playing time. That's just the reality of college football. That's not just a Memphis thing. That's every school in the country now. And so it 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 really shines a light bright light makes this decision even more important than it already was um so just uh fascinating uh it's going to be a telling moment for ryan silverfield because he hasn't really had to do this in his career i have a story up at commercialfield.com where he was the quarterbacks coach at jacksonville 16 years ago and had a hand in picking the quarterback then and oh by the way that quarterback battle 16 years ago didn't get determined until the fifth game of the season. Let's hope that doesn't. Let's hope there's not a repeat of that. Um, I don't. I don't think you need to be going into October uh, alternating quarterbacks. But uh, you know, it's on the table, I guess. Um, so we shall see. Um, but we. It's not just quarterback. We found out because it's been a. You know, it's pretty been a pretty uh, closed door preseason and spring practice, both because of COVID. And also, I think because this, you know, it's just how Ryan Silverfield has decided to run the program. Um, you know, we have the media has not gotten to see the practice, none of the scrimmages, like really our only real glimpses of this team outside of individual drills has been the spring game. Um, so the release of the depth chart this week was really interesting um, to get a sense of of how this team is looking, I guess. We'll start here, uh, Evan, at running back. A new name is atop the depth chart. Brandon Th- Thomas. The re- he's a redshirt freshman, correct? Yep. From Little Rock, Arkansas. What do you make of Brandon Thomas being atop the depth chart? Obviously, running back was a position where they never really settled on one guy last year. And, and as the year went on, the running game really struggled. Uh, what do you make of Brandon Thomas being the number one running back going into the season opener? I think it's interesting because one of the people that they kept talking to us about from the start of preseason or fall camp was Brandon Thomas. They kept saying he had made great strides. He had really improved from last year to this year. You even had running back coach Anthony Jones Jr. say that he's going to be a go-to guy for us. That's what his, his words were. And when you saw the clips that they released from the scrimmages, we couldn't go, but you kept seeing Thomas in these clips. You saw Thomas in the spring game really show up when they held out uh, Drake Clark and Kylan Watkins. And so you see a guy who's got some speed, has got some power to him. Um, they really like the fact that he can do a little bit more with the ball in his hands. Um, he may not be like the versatile wide receiver threat that, say, Watkins or some of the other guys are, but 
Brandon Thomas, they really think can be a, a difference maker. And so um, I'm impressed that he was there. In my predictions at commercialappeal.com, I thought it was going to be Kylan Watkins and Asa Martin, and then Brandon Thomas was going to be brought along slowly, but have a big role. So um, it says a lot of trust that they go on, they're going with Thomas because um, clearly last year, they started Dre Clark, who was a sophomore. We saw, you know, two years ago that they were not afraid to play Kenny Gainwell as a freshman, although we got to see Kenny Gainwell show what he could do. Brandon Thomas, I believe, only had a handful of carries before he redshirted last year. So we really are going to get our first good look at him in this game. But the coaches are really high on him. I think we're going to see more than one running back, obviously, because Memphis does that. We're going to see multiple running backs get chances. So I would say – if Thomas is the guy, we'll probably know more again after Arkansas State. But I think Thomas will lead the lead the charge, and then we'll see more guys follow behind him and get carries as well. Yeah, you got Marquavius Weaver listed as the number two back. Rodriguez Clark is behind him. Um, and then from what I understand, Kylan Watkins might be banged up. He's not even listed on the depth chart uh, yeah. right now. Um, and then you got a tailback, which is kind of, I guess – Sort of the Tony Pollard role is Cam Fleming and Asa Martin, but but Ryan Silverfield has said Gabe Rogers, who's listed as one of the uh, one of the first team wide receivers, he's a guy who could be a Tony Pollard type. Not you know I don't know if he's going to be Tony Pollard, but you know in that role, if you will. Um, and then you've got Calvin Austin, obviously, and Javon Ivory. Uh, returning at wide receiver, and and uh, Sean Dykes is your number one tight end. Um, I thought the O-line depth chart was interesting. Um, it, we talked, you know, one of the big things this offseason was, you know, the O-line struggled last year, especially in the run game as the year went on. Um, did a decent job protecting Brady White, but in the run, you know, they really, Memphis never could get its running game on track as the year wore on. And Memphis brought in all these transfers uh, that we thought were going to be big parts of this team this year uh, as part of this new era in college sports with the transfer portal. But you look at this right now at left tackle, Austin Myers, the TCU transfer, the grad transfer, is listed as an or with Jonah Gamble, a redshirt freshman. So might have gotten beaten out by a redshirt freshman. Uh, at center, Jakari Robinson, who came from Cincinnati, grad transfer from, uh, yeah, I think a grad transfer from Cincinnati. Um, he's listed as or with Jacob Likes, a redshirt sophomore. And then uh, DeMonte Dobbs. Devante. Devante. Devante Dobbs, excuse me, the Michigan State uh, offensive lineman transfer. Um, he, uh, who was really highly rated recruit coming out of high school, He's not even on the two deep. Um, so I, I, I'm curious. It, it looks like it looks like Isaac Isaac Ellis started last year, correct? Yes. There's three there's three starters back with Isaac Ellis, Dylan Parr moving from tackle to right guard, and then Matt Dale, who started at uh I believe at tackle a little bit last year too. Well, gotcha. So only really one guy who's playing the same position as last year starting. Um, and but then you've got these transfers who may may or may not start. You know, it looks like they're still competing. Um, do you were you surprised by that? I mean, I guess it's hard to be surprised when we haven't really watched them in practice. Um, but I, it felt like when when Memphis lost guys like Obin Eze, you felt better about it because you were adding these transfers. 
but here we are a few days before the game, and, and it, it, we're not sure if any of these transfers will even be in the starting lineup. Yeah, I, I, I think that was maybe the biggest tell because, again, we thought, like you said, we thought the new transfers are going to totally, totally revamp this line. But when we were at practice, the, the few that we got to see, uh, we saw Jonah Gamble out there at left tackle. We saw Jacob Likes at center. You know, I took notes a few times and those are guys who were out there. And so it was really interesting that, you know, you saw Devontae Dobbs get some second team reps, Jakari Robinson as well. Um, it was really interesting because again, you thought that, Hey, you got these guys and they're going to be, you know, this revamped line. You got, you know, obviously Jakari Robinson has experience with Cincinnati on a, on a winning at a winning program. Um, so I was a little bit surprised by that, but in a way I wasn't because when I made my predictions, I didn't have any of the transfers in there. Because based on what I saw. And so it makes you wonder kind of with O-line coach Jim Bridge, like he must obviously see something in the guys that he has or the guys who came here maybe just couldn't beat out the incumbents. So um, I think that's really interesting. And I think you also mentioned it. Um, there's a few other transfers who aren't even on the depth chart either. Um, I think some of the wide receivers, I think Shamar Nash, yeah. who came from Arkansas State, um, Kadidrick Richardson. Arkansas, played, not Arkansas State. Arkansas, excuse me. Arkansas, yeah. yes. Wasn't there a Mississippi State guy, too? Yeah, Devon Robinson, who transferred. He was supposed to be on defense. He's not on the depth chart. Um, Greg Emerson, who transferred from Tennessee before camp started. He's not on the depth chart. So it, it says a lot about kind of how just because you get all these transfers, it doesn't mean these guys are going to play immediately, which, again, kind of complicates. Well, and, and, and it's just because they came from a Power 5 school. Like, there's a reason, ultimately, these guys are transferring. They couldn't get on the field at a Power 5 school. And – you know, Memphis, you know, though Memphis is not a quote unquote power five, it's a, you know, it's a program with a, you know, with a lot of depth now um, because of the recruiting that's been done because of this run that the, the program's been on. Um, and so it, 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 to me, it, it makes it clear that, you know, ultimately, you know, you feel really good about a transfer when it first happens, just when you base it off the name of the school and the star rating. But um, not all transfers are created equal, so to speak. You know, it it's going to be a blow. The fact that Memphis lost some guys who were huge parts of last year's team, whether it's Taj Washington at wide receiver or Obineze on the line. Um, and especially on offense, because offense is where, like I said, a lot of new faces on this Memphis offense. And it, it it makes me wonder, is this going to be the first team in a long time in Memphis where it's led by the defense? Because if you look at the defensive depth chart, Evan, I mean, really, at most every spot, it's a familiar face. A guy who's played a lot of snaps, except, I guess, the second cornerback spot opposite Jacoby Francis, um, you've got Greg Rubin or Julian Barnett, the Michigan State uh, transfer. Um, so that's the only spot where you're a little inexperienced. But you look down the line here. I mean, if you look at the number, the ones on the defense, Wardallis, Ducksworth on at defensive end, redshirt senior. John Tate, the fourth at nose tackle, a fifth-year guy. Uh, you know, returned because of the pandemic. Defensive end, Morris Joseph, senior. Mike linebacker, J.J. Russell, fifth-year guy, returned because of the pandemic. Thomas Pickens, fifth-year guy, returned because of the pandemic. Cole Mashburn, redshirt sophomore, who played a ton. Jalen Allen, redshirt junior, who played a ton last year. 
Uh, Quindell Johnson, redshirt junior, who played a ton the past two years. Uh, Sanchez Blake or Rodney Owens, redshirt seniors. And then Jacoby Francis, a uh, fifth-year guy who returned because of the pandemic. And Silvanta Oliver, a, a senior. Like, it's just loaded with experience on defense. But just a, a lot of guys who have played a lot of snaps. And, it you know, to me, you look at that. You look at you compare that to the uncertainty you have on offense, not just at quarterback, but at running back, at at on the offensive line, and you can like I think if this Memphis team is going to be really good, it's going to be really good because the defense is really good. I agree, I agree, and I should we should mention that with all the transfers that have kind of you know even either ors or aren't on the depth chart, we should mention Julian Barnett. I do believe is going to start um, okay. because of I will say this because. We have seen when we saw in practice the guy was making plays all over the field and the scrimmage they showed a highlight of him making a one-handed interception. He had a big play in the spring game. Um, they really love well, his and he's got size. He's 6'2", 189, whereas Jacoby Francis and Greg Rubin and Silvanta Oliver are all under six feet. Um, yeah, yeah so you this- want that big corner and who's athletic. Um, and yeah, no, and, but honestly, at corner, like with the way now you're going to be playing three cornerbacks, most snaps anyways. So like, even if you're not, even if he's not the number two, he's probably the number three. And, and so um, you're, you're going to be a lot of DBs anyways with the way yeah. college football is. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, but I think like you said, like the, the defense, like 2019, the reason that team did as well as they did wasn't just because of Kenny Gainwell or because Brady White turned the corner. That defense was pretty good. And so I think we'll probably have to see is can this defense come close to that? Um, just well, I, see, see, I, see, I think when you look at that, like I agree, the reason that what put that Cotton Bowl team over the top is that they had a they had a they had a decent defense as opposed to a terrible one uh, like the previous couple of years before that. I, I just don't know if this offense this year can be close to what it was two years ago, given all the new pieces. So I think if anything, I think the defense needs to be better than two years ago for this to be, you know, for this Memphis team to kind of reach its ceiling. Uh, That's what I think. I think you need a, you know, a top 40 defense in the country to really feel comfortable about Memphis, say competing for the AAC title this year. Um, And I think it's possible. When you you look at all that experience coming back, I, I'm not. I don't think it's out of the question to think that Memphis could have a top forty defense in the country. I mean, let's be let's 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 go, let's call it what it is. That I think two years ago that team was a top fifty, maybe or close to a yeah. top fifty. Okay. I think I think why not? Like they should, they they have said to us that they want to be a top defense. And looking around the AAC, if you have a great defense you're going to be one of the top teams in the conference. Look at Tulsa last year. That team, you know, maybe had some questions on offense. Yeah, look, Tulsa had a terrible – Tulsa did not have a good quarterback situation. And yet no. they, they they were right on the – you know, they challenged Cincinnati for the for the league title. Right. They had a great defense. They had the best – probably one of the best defensive players in the country. So if Memphis can have that kind of impact, then I think we'll see something happen. But it's a lot to ask for a defense that historically has always been – you know, good, not great, but with this experience, a lot will be asked of them and they should have to deliver. All right. So we'll wrap it up like this, Evan. What what are you expecting this season from this team overall? Like uh, 
a record prediction? How how good do you think this team will be? I guess not. How good can it be? How good do you think it will be ultimately um, this season? So. <laughs> I, I I put my predictions on uh, commercialpill.com and some people might have been shocked at who I had them losing to, at least one of the games. I think eight wins is a fair standard. They've, they've had that standard the last few years. I don't think this team is going to go above it, even if the schedule is favorable. I think eight wins is probably a fair ceiling as of right now, just because of the quarterback uncertainty. Like, let's assume if Grant Cannell for some reason gets hurt, and you have to turn the keys over to Seth Hennigan, this team is not going to win nine games with a freshman quarterback because we saw Riley Ferguson struggled. Brady White struggled that first year. I think that's a little bit too much to ask. So I think eight-win season, I think that this team absolutely should contend for the AAC up until maybe the last uh, couple weeks. But I think Mississippi State, that's probably going to be a loss right now. I think the UCF game in Orlando, UCF's going to be motivated, revenge game. They're probably going to lose that game. Um, I think the SMU game is going to be a tricky one because, yes, SMU has a new quarterback, but we saw that game last year. Those wide receivers were burning Memphis left and right until Reggie Roberson got hurt, and then Memphis came back. So I'm a little bit worried about that game. And I think the Tulsa and Temple games are a little bit tricky because Temple, people may say, well, Temple struggled last year, but really you kind of throw last year out with some of these teams that struggled because – Temple really didn't, I think, play until like late October, if I recall. I think, or they they were they, to, uh, they were on pause. Um, Tulane, we know that they were not Tulane. Tulsa, they bring a lot back from last year, and that game, those two games were on the road. So I think those two games that start October in the AAC are tricky toss-up games where maybe they beat Temple, but they lose to Tulsa. Maybe they somehow lose to Temple, but they beat Tulsa. I mean, I, seven eight wins is not out of the realm possibility. But if everything breaks well, maybe they win nine games. But I, I would say seven, eight right now until we get more more clarity on this quarterback battle and the running back game, honestly. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going seven and five. I think this is going to be a transitional year for the program. Um, it'll be very similar, I think, to uh, to Brady White's first year when, when eight they went eight and four. They made the they made the AAC championship game that year solely because they happened to be in the right division. Um, but remember that year they were four and four. Yeah, uh, going into you know going into November, um, and you know I think like even the non conference schedule this year is tricky. I mean that Arkansas State game is going to be tricky. The UTSA game is going to be tricky. It's part of the reason why you don't. I don't you know. Maybe the Arkansas State game you schedule, but I don't know if you want also the UTSA game on your schedule every year like that because UTSA is not going to be a pushover either. They return a lot as well. Yeah. Um, and then when you look at the conference, you know, ultimately, I, you know, it, I, a lot of it depends on this quarterback situation because if you don't have a reliable quarterback, there's not a lot of margin for error for this team. And uh, so I, I, I'm going to go like seven and five. I, I can see eight and four. I'd be, I'll be honest. I'd be, I'll be surprised if it's better than eight and four. Um, yeah, this year. I, I just think there's the league is good, and I think Memphis is. There, there's going to be games where Memphis comes out and looks great, and there's going to be games. You know, there's going to be they're going to win a game or two. You maybe that are toss ups, but they're also going to lose a game or two that you maybe wouldn't expect because, especially because again, so many new faces on offense and. 
if the defense can just carry this team the entire season. Um, so that I, I'd put them at set. I'm going to go with seven and five, I think, for this season for the Tigers, um, which, again, there's probably some people listening to this going, man, that is going to be disappointing given what this program's done in recent years. And I would just say if seven and five is a disappointing year, means the program's in a decent spot because um, it's still a bowl season. Um, and again, you're breaking in a new quarterback. I, I just think it, I think this year will be remembered as a transitional year uh, when we look at it big picture. A lot of moving pieces, a lot of new faces that you had to figure out where they fit um, and how they fit. So uh, we'll be it'll be interesting though. We'll be chronicling it over at commercialpeel.com all season long. Starting Saturday, Nickel State, six o'clock kickoff or seven o'clock kickoff or six, six o'clock. Six o'clock. Six o'clock kickoff at the Liberty Bowl. Um, should be a lot of fun uh having a big crowd at the Liberty Bowl again um to welcome uh, another college football season. Uh so till then, till next week. We're gonna be doing this regularly now, now that the season started. So till next week, I was Mark. I was joined by Evan. Thanks so much. And uh Enjoy that tailgating scene. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.